This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Inside Carolina Podcast. This is On The Beat Live, our normal Tuesday, 9 p.m. session. I did a special podcast last night live, if you haven't. Uh, done so check it out a lot of great information from jason staples taylor vipolis there um but this is the the bell cow of the live inside carolina podcast we got greg barnes producer john bowman and we got ross martin joining us the the two on the beat true on the beat folks what's going on fellas hey happy to join guys let's get going uh good good to see john's face happy to be back on the beat tommy greg let's talk some football it's been a long time since we've had Ross on on the beat, Tommy. I, I know it's been a while. I mean, uh, he's been on the scoop, and I've I've tried to get you back on here, Ross. I'm glad you finally agreed to come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, the real reason why we we brought Ross on tonight is actually it's for physical therapy tips. Uh, Ross, we're going to give you a couple tips on how to rep- repair the shoulder. There, you know, we can give you some exercises, maybe. There you go. Thanks, John. Well, well, Gregory uh, Hall did a good good piece on Curious Conley and his rehab. So I heard through the grapevine that Gregory's writing a piece on Ross that should come out, I guess, around Labor Day. What, what did I miss, Ross? You had surgery? Is that what I you t- got around? I tore my right pack uh, bench pressing on July 2nd. The 365 pounds, and the third rep was just <laughs> too much. The, new, the news is out. Uh, so I had surgery two weeks ago. Uh, I had surgery about uh, last Friday, two Fridays ago. And I'm going to sling for six to eight weeks, and I won't be able to run or work out for four months. Wow. That's got to suck. Yep. It sucks. Well, one thing you can do is talk, so let's talk about it. I'm going to come to you right out the gate. Carolina football opens camp on Friday. Uh, Expectations were through the roof last year this time. This year, not so much, Ross. Um, Your thoughts on on getting to this point now two days, three days away from preseason camp. I I think Mike Brown's got his work cut out for him for him in 2022 yeah i mean i think greg wrote a good piece um at acc media day kind of just about where expectations are with this team it just it doesn't seem like there's much hype and i think that's kind of a good thing they um they're kind of flying underneath the radar um because they have to replace sam Howe. they've lost three stars in the offensive line there's some unknowns at different position groups um so they're not being talked about much like i don't i don't feel the same vibe the same height, but I do think they have a lot of talent in the fourth year of, of recruiting under Mac. And I think you're going to see some breakout stars. You're going to see Miles Murphy have a big year. Desmond Evans maybe finally becomes a player. Those type of guys are now juniors and, and seniors or, or redshirt sophomores. And so I think there's a lot of talent. And I think these low expectations um, you know, may turn some heads come October, November. Um, I, mean, but, I mean, all the eyes are on quarterback and We'll have some previews coming out on the site soon about each position, and quarterback's going to be the first one. Um, and that's where it starts. I think quarterback's so important for for college football. And so if they get the right guy and it clicks, I think there's a lot of weapons on offense too. So there's definitely a lot of potential. Um, but as one person told me, don't, you don't date potential. You you you, you got to date the real thing. You got to you got to marry the real thing. So hopefully 
for for the Tar Heels, some of that comes true. Ah, uh, yes, the uh, the Don and Ross dating uh, <laughs> metaphors come in early. They come in early. Yeah, yeah. Greg Barnes, Greg is a. Uh, is this under the radar stuff real for this team? I mean, let's let's be honest. They they crapped the bed last year. Um, did they learn? Did they learn the lesson? I mean, that, that's the question, right? And that's it is a good question uh, about you know, flying under the radar. Like, does it matter? Um, we know that this team did not handle the hype last year. <clears throat> you know, a variety of players have talked about how they they read the headlines last year. Bruce Brooks was talking about that down in Charlotte, uh, the ACC kickoff last week. And they saw the headlines. They saw the top 10 preseason ranking. They saw the preseason ACC Coastal Division favorite. Um, and then they walked into Lane Stadium and got smacked. And they, they did the same thing in Atlanta. So uh, whatever Mac has to tell these guys to kind of move past that uh, is, is a stepping stone. And you know, it's all hindsight and, and silver lining stuff. Um, but when you're in the, the program building phase, sometimes you, you need to have some some adversity along the way. It can't just be a elevator ride to the top. You know, there, there's got to be some, some struggle involved. And maybe that was it last year. Maybe that was saying, hey, guys, you know, too many times you just thought because you're in North Carolina that teams are going to roll over for you. That's not happening. Um, and so they've got to get that out of their heads that that teams are scared of them because of the the name on the jersey. That's not the case. Teams don't care about recruiting rankings and all that stuff. So um, that's what Max selling. That's what Gene Chizik's kind of putting in place. So you have to you have to earn every inch. And um, we'll see. Uh, it sounds good right now, but it sounded good last summer as well. So we'll have to see how things play out. Uh, I think it is a very smart scheduling maneuvering that that mac did and getting florida a&m as that first game so they don't have to go to boone as the first game for whatever quarterback is going to be starting i think that was a very smart savvy move um it didn't work out last year even though they had sam howell coming back so i think those types of things kind of help set the tone for this team and we'll see if it pays off tommy how are you feeling with this about this team you're you you, you know pretty listen to the message boards you're but you're a big fan. I mean, you, this is what you love. How are you feeling as a fan kind of looking from the inside, but a little bit from the outside? Yeah, I mean, I think last year I finally learned the Carolina football lesson. I've been saying it's an eight-win team forever, and um, I, I bought into the hype. I think we all did for the most part. I mean, Greg mm -hmm. was probably the, the most pessimistic. But, you know, what surprised me the most, and, and Ross, your question to me brings me to where I was going with you is, they walked in the Lane Stadium and they were shook, mm -hmm. flat out shook, and uh, that was a hell of an environment. I don't, I wasn't in the press box with you guys, uh, so I don't know if it was antiseptic up there for y'all, but in it was crazy, and that team was shook. And Boone, while it will be a smaller version of that, it's still going to be hectic and crazy up there. So, so my question is, Mike Brown talked, and Ross and Greg can chime in. The one thing that concerns me is Mac talked about guys not listening and guys not reacting to him. And I asked uh, Vip and Jason that last night. Does that change in six months or however long it's been since South Carolina beat them to death in the bowl game? Does that change for a lot of these guys? 
or is it going to take another one of those moments like Virginia Tech gave them, Ross? Because I don't think they can have that moment this year. I think they got to start three and zero. If they don't start three and zero, the air is out of the bubble or out of the balloon right right away. Where, yeah, where are you standing there? I mean, I think that I think the, the game in Boone is huge. And I've been saying on Twitter almost once a week that I, I mean, you can't lose that game. You just can't lose to Boone uh, to App again and have Max start off four years zero and two versus. Versus App State. Now, I think UNC's better than they were in 19. I think App's taking a little step back. They were really good in 19. They had some, they had some NFL players on that roster. Um, so, yeah, I, mean, I think they, I think they'll preach about what went wrong against Virginia Tech. I think the presence of Gene Chizik and just a little bit more experience uh, in the coaching staff across the board with Coach Warren, I think it will help. I think, and everybody's a little bit older. I think they, they lost some players, but as a whole, I think the team is generally a little bit older. And a lot of the starters are older. So, and I, like Greg said, I mean, it sets up nicely. You at least have three games. App State's not going to be an easy game, but you do have three games that are not ACC caliber opponents until Notre Dame comes to town. Greg? And that's a, sorry, sorry to cut you off, Greg, but that's a good segue too into one of Mac Brown's most interesting comments at ACC Media Day uh, last week while Ross was eating crab legs. Uh, Mac Brown was talking about how the team was criminally overrated last yeah. year. And I think that's really been a theme of the offseason. Mac was also hitting on that a lot in the spring. But the question was in relation to being perhaps criminally underrated in 2022. And I think that's also one of the big storylines that we're seeing. Is this team maybe being under under uh, underappreciated? I think they were picked third uh, in the ACC preseason coastal poll. Uh, so there are, is there maybe a little bit of that going on as well? Is this team perhaps underrated uh, heading into 2022. Greg? I don't think so. Uh, that's, that's the great conversation about last year, right? Uh, you, were they criminally overrated? Was this a top 10 team? No, it was not. So from that standpoint, yes, they were, they were overrated. But this was not a 6-7 and seven team last year either. I mean, let's be real about that. That team should have won at least eight games. Um, and, and by buying into the concept that, hey, well, they're this way overrated, you know, the hype was just too early. Uh, I mean, that, that kind of frees up the coaching staff a little bit from blame. And I think there's plenty of blame to go around. And part of that is, you know, what you mentioned, John and, and, and Ross, about, you know, Mac talking about guys kind of being disrespectful last year. You got to nip that in the bud um, very quickly. And if you don't, you get those guys out of there. And that's that's the problem, but that's that's a coaching thing. And you know, Mac has has done a good job this offseason, kind of owning up to to his failures last year and the corrections that he needs to make. Um, hopefully, Gene Chizik plays a big part of that. Um, but is this team being underrated? You know, if you look in the Coastal Division, um, I, I don't think so. I mean, is Miami maybe getting too much praise? Possibly. But I think Pitt's really good. I think I think you can make the case that Pitt's underrated. I, I figured they would be the favorite to win the Coastal. I know they lost Pickett and Jordan Addison, but everybody else is back, and they got Slovis in from USC, who's a good quarterback. Um, yeah. and their defense is probably going to be tops in the ACC, you know, maybe maybe right there behind Clemson, uh, which will have another good defense. So um, I th- I don't think it's I don't think it's really underrating Carolina to say, hey, well, they're preseason three in the Coastal, because I think that's where they belong, because I do think Miami and, and Pitt have a little bit of an edge on them. 
Yeah, I think football ever been underrated. <laughs> Serious question, Ross. Who? Carolina football has Carolina football ever been underrated? I mean, I guess in fifteen, a team turned around. But I mean, Mac Mac is this master politician, man. I mean, it's unbelievable, and everybody buys into it. Like he, he's just a nice, cuddly t- teddy bear on the outside. But I mean, he says things that save his ass, save the coach's asses. Um, can I cuss here? I don't know. Um, you did, but. <laughs> But, um, I mean, look, like blaming the media last year, that was such a joke about how the media hyped him up or how the media picked them top 10. And I think three is the perfect rating. That's where I had them. I had them three. I'd be interested to see where Greg had them. But I think Greg's right. I think Miami maybe is a little overrated, but they have a great quarterback. That's what I'm buying into. Um, and then and Pitt returns a lot and, and has the transfer quarterback. But just the Coastal is so weak. I mean, I think Duke's be awful. That coach, man, that coach said something to, <laughs> that coach said something to me at media day that was very disrespectful. Um, and uh Elko did yeah i went up to i'll tell a story here a little loose here here on um on uh on the beat i went up to him and he was with art uh you know the sid from duke art um chase chase who like is a great guy i love art chase so i was just talking to him we were walking away and i was like hey coach uh ross martin i cover the tar heels uh welcome to north carolina he goes oh good for you i was like damn man like like i wasn't like bragging about being a being a sports writer, I was just telling you that, like, you know, I cover your rival. Whatever. Uh, I mean, I think Virginia and Virginia Tech, they have some talent. Um, but, you know, there's new coaches for Virginia and Virginia Tech. So, I think that's kind of – I think UNC fits perfectly at three. You know, they got some, you know, Josh Downs, they got a lot of talent. And I think the defense is going to take a big step up. I'm pretty excited about seeing how the defense is. You know, there's, there's guys who might not even start, like Rod Rod Dilworth might not even start. And he's a guy who I'm super excited to see, and and, and um, Rucker and Desmond Evans, and we can get into the weeds on defense, but I think there's gonna be, a, I think three is perfect, and I think they have a chance to win a lot of games, and they also have a chance to a lot of losing games, and that's the Coastal. Uh, rest in peace. So in terms of being underrated, uh, so S and P plus projections have Carolina at seven and a half wins. I think a lot. I'll say a handful of the uh, betting sites have UNC's over under at seven and a half. W- what are we thinking there? It's got to be over. If it's not over, it might be over. <laughs> 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 I mean, they can't go under. They cannot go six or, or seven this year. I don't. I don't think. Ross, what do you think? Let's talk about these standings and let's talk about your y'all's picks. Um, yeah, so what was the over-under? Sorry, I missed that, Greg. What was the over-under? Seven, seven, seven and a half. Yeah, it's probably about right. That's fair. Three and oh start, way over. Um, <laughs> if, they lose to, if they lose to App State. But let, Ross, let's talk about your prediction, since people are already calling you out in the chat over here. Um, oh, like where my where the my Atlantic picks and my Coastal yeah. picks? Yeah, well, well, both, yeah. Everything well, my, you got. My coastal was was perfect. My coastal was exactly what the media turned out. So people get mad. Like my posting my Atlantic and my coastal pissed off Clemson fans, state fans, and UNC fans. So I couldn't make anybody happy. I just thought. I mean, I, how did it make state, state fans unhappy? Because they thought I was jinxing them. them. Yeah, <laughs> they thought I was like talking shit and trying to get them. Whoa. Um, but uh, I mean, look, state. I just thought it was their time. I was going to give them. The number one ranking because they wanted the hype. They have the quarterback. I do think quarterback is very, very important, and they have a um, they have a good quarterback. But I mean, I I thought Clemson will get picked one overall. 
I think Clemson has so much returning on on defense, and they'll get it figured out at quarterback. And they get they get State in Death Valley, which is big. But um, beyond that, I mean, I, I think it's all, you know, how good is Florida State and Louisville really going to be? I don't know if Greg could answer that more, but the Coastal should be interesting, like always. I don't think I think the game at Miami versus UNC is going to be a good one. Yeah, I do have the standings here, just if people haven't seen them. So the Atlantic Division, Clemson was first place with 111 first place votes. NC State was second with 44. And then in the Coastal, Miami was first. But Miami, Pitt, North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Georgia Tech, six of the seven teams, received at least one vote for the Coastal Division Championship, which I think perfectly illustrates the Coastal Division chaos. Um, I don't know, Greg, how much you can share, but... What went into your thought process if, if you filled out uh, a preseason media ballot for, for the ACC? I think it's pretty easy, especially for the Coastal Division. Um, you, you look at what's coming back. Um, you, you look at the coaching staffs. Um, and I, you know, Pat Narduzzi, I want to say every year that he's been at Pitt, Pitt has finished higher than when they were where they were picked in the standings. They've just always been overlooked. And I think a lot of that's because there's not a lot of media in Pittsburgh. Um, that, that covers the team, and we just kind of consider them to be an afterthought. But they've they've done well. I mean, they've they've won the coastal what two of the last three years, I think. Um, Miami, it's interesting. A lot of people say you know, Miami's overrated every single year. Um, it's not quite to that standard. Um, they do get a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a reprieve, if you will, because of their glory days under Butch and, and before that. But they've only been picked first in the Coastal five times. And they won one of those times back in 2017. Um, so Miami-Pitt, I thought clearly were going to be one and two. North Carolina, because of how things played out last year, uh, I think that's a nice fit at number three. And then you start talking about, well, we've got all these new coaches. Um, and that, that's kind of a, a big part of it. you got Pry at Virginia Tech, Elliott at Virginia, Elko at Duke, um, and then whatever the train wreck is that Jeff Collins is, is putting together in, in, in Atlanta. So um, I'm trying to remember. I may have had Duke above Georgia Tech, uh, but you know, yeah. that's at the bottom of the standings. It really doesn't matter. And then, last, you know, then, last year for Collins, right? It's got to be, unless they just yeah. are gangbusters this year. Yeah. He's a good recruiter and a good salesman, but he just can't coach. Hasn't proven to yet. And then the Atlantic, uh, you know, everybody talks about the downfall of Clemson and what they do last year. They won 10 games yep. in like the worst year that they've had in a decade. And that speaks to what Dabo's done. Um, I think NC State's going to walk into Death Valley and get smacked. <laughs> That's going to be must-see TV. Uh, I think Wake is probably going to finish above NC State in the standings. But I think those, those three are, are pretty solidly at the top of the Atlantic. How does how does Wake not get more love? I mean, defense. They're same as Carolina. Right? The defense is it was terrible last year. They got you know they brought in the defensive coordinator from Purdue, who's mm -hmm. buddies uh, with, with the head coach. But I think that's it. It's kind of like Carolina. Carolina, uh, even though they brought in Gene Chizik, they have a lot of talent. The defense hasn't been worth a flip the last several years, and so people are taking a wait and see approach. A quarterback is a stud. Yeah, yep. Sam Hartman. Nobody talks about him. I he mean, you wore a Peaky Blinders hat at ACC Media Day on uh, on Wednesday. So take, Interesting. Take that. Let's let's get into it, John. You got some questions from the YouTube chat, and, and 
people uh, keep keep tossing them in. I mean, we'll get to as many as possible. We've got yeah. Ross Martin, Greg Barnes here. Yeah, be and, nice to me on that chat. People are getting pretty mean to me on there. Uh, <laughs> well, we have to remember, too, 166 people here. We are live. Ross, as well, we're here uh, live on, on YouTube. So, yeah, if you have any questions for us, uh, post them here in the chat pod, and we can bring them up. This is an interesting one uh, from one of our favorite viewers here. Best quarterback in the conference. Greg, Ross, Tommy, what do you think? I just mentioned him, I think. Really? Yeah. No Devin Leary? No Devin Leary. I mean, the guy's pretty good, but we'll see what he does without a, what, top five draft pick guarding his blind side. And, and the thing about that team is Carolina's defensive line flat out destroyed State until the very I mean, end, and they still destroyed them. I mean, Carolina should have won that game. That's been the worst meltdown I've ever seen Carolina have in that State game. Um, and and for that reason, I think the state hype is yeah. way too high. I think. Um, I mean, I, people love Tyler Van Dyke. I don't know if Greg, if you have something to say about him, but people love him. Um, he took over last year, right, midseason. He took over uh, in the Carolina game. You know, yeah. he got heat because he threw that pick late, which kind of sealed mm-hmm. it for Carolina. But That's after right. that, he was fantastic and, and really took over. And, and you, Derek King, became an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the expectation is that he's going to take a full step forward. We'll have to see how that works into you know, Mario's plans in terms of running the offense. Uh, but he's good. I mean, Brendan Armstrong was fantastic yeah. last year. Uh, you know, as Tommy said, Sam Hartman's great. Um, yeah, and then Leary. So I mean, you've got you've got some capable players there. Slovis didn't have a great year last year at USC, but year before he was really good, one of the top freshmen in the country. Um, so there's some talented quarterbacks, not quite like last year. And then, of course, I've said it a couple weeks ago, uh, but just in the little bit of conversations I've had with Mac Brown, while he's not saying anything um, boisterous about the quarterback position, you can tell he's confident. He, he's not expecting this to be a dumpster fire by any stretch. Are they going to be Sam Howe? Not necessarily, but they don't need to be. Um, and I, I think he, I think he has confidence that, quarterback play at Carolina is going to be pretty good next year, this year. So let's, let's, let's dive in there, Greg. Um, talk to, talk to some sources recently. I mean, they, they, they feel really good about the three they have. They like Connor Harrell a lot. Uh, and now I don't think he starts this year, but I think they've been really impressed with how he's grasped the off- offense. You know, he's a Val Victorian from his high school. Uh, he's the most athletic in the room out of those three. Uh, Criswell, Drake May, Connor Harrell. So they really like Connor Harrell. Now I don't think I don't know if he goes out and wins a job as a true freshman. That seems very unrealistic. But he's not just some guy you're going to have to sleep on. He's he's a guy they really like. And I, I think people I don't know the message boards just assume it's going to be Drake May. I don't think that's the case either. I think Criswell may have a stronger arm. He's two years more in in, in, the, in the system. So they're going to let it play out. And it's not this is not a situation. Like in nineteen, where Sam went out and won it, kind of he was he was ahead in the spring and then went out and won it. You know, two weeks into the preseason camp, this could go deep into camp. And and I don't know, I don't think they want to play two QBs, but I wouldn't be surprised to see two QBs against um, FAMU. And you know, probably not the best idea against App, but if you can get two QBs, my I mean, maybe in my mind, I'm thinking maybe play two QBs. You know, first parts of the first three games and then name your starter ahead of Notre Dame. I'm sure they would like to have someone separate separate themselves um, before. It sets up to play, you know, at least to the first 
three weeks of the season, doesn't it, Greg? I mean, I don't think Harold's going to get run. And, and it's interesting how they like Harold that much. And a lot of people talked about, well, he had stats in high school because he had umpteen five stars around him in high school, but he did look pretty good. But uh, Mayor Criswell, does it matter, Greg? Jason Staples seems to think that the uh, quarterback will be a strength of this team no matter who's on that starting lineup. Well, let me say this. and I don't want to get into uh, hyperbole by any stretch, um, but just watching Connor Harrell and spring ball, the kid's got just an incredible talent base. He's got a big arm for as, as small of a body as he is, and he is really quick. You know, um, in the mold of a Lamar Jackson, not saying by any stretch he's going to be Lamar Jackson. I'm not claiming he's going to be the, the next Heisman contender for North Carolina, but maybe a Malik Cunningham type. I was going to say uh, Louisville where, guy. Correct. Uh, you know, it's just a big arm, and, and he can run. And that's a unique dynamic that North Carolina hasn't had in, in a long time, really since Marquise. Um, so I, I understand the the hype and the excitement about him because he's different than both Chriswell and, and May. Uh, in terms of those two guys, I don't know that it really does matter. I think where it gets interesting is if they really are as close as it sounds like and you want to get both guys reps, you got to be very careful if you want to go the two-quarterback route. And Mac has done it. He did it twice before in Chapel Hill. He did it in Texas. He's shown a willingness to rotate quarterbacks. How will that work? How will that play out within the locker room as well as with the fan base um, if he decides to go that route? Um, you would have to think Drake May, being a little guy out of Charlotte with such a recruiting emphasis on the state of North Carolina, has to be in really good position. But we do know that Chris Well has pushed him and uh, they both take an equal number of snaps. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Certainly, to your point, I think both will play a lot those first three games. But after that, once you get to Notre Dame, how many reps for each guy do you see? Is it, Are we at that point where things start to settle down and we have a defined starting quarterback? Or are we going to be in this middle ground where you know, maybe one guy takes 35 snaps and the other guy takes 30? Uh, th that'll be a talking point if we get to that point in the season and that's still going on. Ross, let me ask you this before you jump in. And I totally forgot my question. It was a great one. I can okay, promise you that. So go ahead. I would well, back to me. Longo loves competition. Offensive coordinator Phil Longo. Every coach loves competition. But, like, I mean, this is truly – he'll let it play out. And he'd love to see someone separate themselves in the first three weeks of camp. But he always is of the notion that – get guys in there and they compete and they decide who it is. It's a lot of coach speak, but that's what happens. And they'll put them in tons of situations where they'll be able to uh, have a chance to differentiate themselves. Um, live action, scrimmages, um, decision-making scenarios, all that good stuff. And you would think, you know, some point becomes a two-man race. And then at some point, one guy separates himself. They're going to have a lot of reps between Friday and when they uh, kick off against the Rattlers. So I don't know. Who do you let's go? Let's get a poll here. Who thinks who's the starter against uh if it's one guy who's a starter against uh FAMU? First snap, I'm going with Chriswell. Yep. Chriswell. I was gonna say the same thing. I think too, it's a statement for the program to give Chriswell those first snaps. Um, I think as well last year at times when Sam got hurt uh here and there, Chriswell would come in first. So 
you give the guy who's older the first reps, uh, and then you, you let it play out from there. I have a good question for Ross here. I know we need to get a break in, but it's a good wild card question. Uh, we, we invite all viewers of all teams and all fans to come on the show. So we have an App State fan here, here uh, talking about the game in Boone. Um, what do you think the biggest challenge for the Tar Heels will be in Boone? Ross, what are you predicting? The foliage colors, just give us everything <laughs> you're expecting. Um, well, I think UNC lucked out for a 12 o'clock kick. I think that is a complete game changer than a than an 8 p.m. or even like a 6 or obviously a 3.30. I think 12 o'clock, you know, it could be a little sleepier than it would be, but they're going to be rowdy, man. They're going to be coming in Friday, even Thursday. You're going to see a lot of tailgating, and the fans will be packed. And this is a huge game. So I think it's it's how UNC and the young players and the, and the new quarterback handles crowd noise. And, you know, one thing goes wrong, and we saw it in Chapel Hill when, when App was in Chapel Hill. Um, Sam got rattled. There was that fumble. I think it was a fumble for a touchdown in that game, and, um, and App State won. So a couple things go uh, the Mountaineers' way, and it, it kind of can snowball. So they got to come out, and they got to block out the noise. And I think, obviously, the, the fan base and the, and the rowdy fans is the biggest challenge for, for the Heels. Yeah, that uh, it, it's going to be nuts out there. I remember my question. Okay. And this is for both of you guys. Ross, you can start. Can Carolina survive or can Carolina have a good season with a quarterback that's just a game manager that doesn't do anything special, doesn't have some ridiculous yards, um, that's just a straight manager of the game? No turnovers, get the ball in the right spot. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll go quick with this one. I mean, I think think Phil Longo's offense is, is made for your quarterback to be the star and to really put up yards. So, like, the deep ball. I mean, look, you throw a deep ball, it's 60, 70 yards. You, you're, you've got to make plays and hit the open guy in space. That's kind of what the offense is. I think Josh Downs does allow you a lot of versatility, a lot of creativity as a quarterback. And I think they're going to use him a lot of different ways in the backfield, in the outside, in the slot. So, I think Josh Downs is going to be a huge help for the quarterback. But I think it's, it's built for a star quarterback to sling the rock around. Greg? I agree. I, I think Ross is exactly right with that. Um, you know, this is not a, uh, a TJ Yates, John shoot system where you, where you can rely on your defense and just manage the game and, and check down, check down, check down, and then occasionally hit the deep ball. Th- this offense and just been that way every time that, that Phil Longo's kind of lined up since the Sam Houston state days, um, you, you fling it and, uh, you add some power run kind of like what Lincoln Riley's done so well at Oklahoma, now at USC. Uh, and that's that's how this offense is built. If you're expecting your quarterback to be a game manager in a Phil Longo offense, uh, it's just not going to work. So you need somebody willing to take some risks, somebody willing to throw the ball down the field with accuracy. Um, and I, I think they've got that with both Chris Well and, and Drake May. Uh, but if those guys aren't electric, I just don't think the offense is near as successful as, as what we've seen in recent years. I think the wide receivers, I'm trying to think who they lost at wide receiver. I think they're going to be better this year with Antonio Green. I've heard he looks awesome, way more confident, more physical. And he's finally coming to his own after last year. So him and, and Josh Downs and I think Kobe Passore. Well, they need Andre Green to step in and be a stud. Yeah, I mean, I've heard he looks awesome. I don't know what you've yeah. heard, Greg, but I've heard he is the real deal. You know, it may take a little bit, but he is a freak. And so Andre Green could be that fourth, fifth receiver 
and and come November, October, October, November, December, and be be in the rotation. But Downs, Antonio Green, Kobe Passauer, is it Passauer? Passauer. JJ Jones. Um, I think Bryson Nesbitt will also be an offensive threat as well. But Andre Green's going to be the real deal. Josh Downs need 100 receptions, or is the offense better if he's got 65 or 70, Greg? I think it's better if he has fewer. And I think this there's been so much talent come into this program the last couple of years. At some point, and I know I'm going to be corrected with, with a couple of these guys, but at some point, North Carolina needs one of these stud freshmen coming in to pop immediately from day one. Whether that's Hampton, whether that's Petaway, whether that's Green, somebody at one of these offensive skill positions needs to pop and be be the man from day one, and that will change the outlook for this offense dramatically. Um, because we know what's coming back, and yes, Josh Downs was great, but he was open for a reason because he could get open, the other guys couldn't. So Sam Howell relied on him way too much. Somebody needs to pop to give one of these quarterbacks a second option. And if you've got two options, now all of a sudden you've got a lot of flexibility in your offense and it makes it that much tougher on the defense. I think look at what they had two years ago with Newsom and Brown and and those guys. I mean, there was somebody open on every play. And then Javante and Michael. I mean, I think Petaway and Hampton, one of those guys is gonna is gonna be special. I think one of those guys needs to blow up. The the running back room, we get into this now. The running back room is deep, talented, and they like them all. I, Elijah Green has gotten a lot of hype. He's the fastest running back in the room right now. He's a guy who hasn't done much at UNC. He's had a breakout spring. Um, and, of course, British Brooks is, is kind of like the starter, I think, heading in, right? He was the rest, representative of the ACC Media Day, um, and he had that breakout game against NC State. But then the two freshmen are the guys that you're like, wow, these guys could be very, very special. And then we were forgetting about Caleb Hood and – DJ Jones come back from injury. So those are the, I think it's six guys. They have six scholarship running backs. How do you keep them all happy? Is that even remotely possible? They play two or three. They they never play more than that. I mean, last year was really just Ty Chandler and and Sam Howell, honestly. Yeah, John uh, Bowman made a good point last night on the show that Howell had 182 carries or rushes or whatever. That's a lot lot to go around with some actual running backs because Drake May nor Quisrael need that kind of that kind of stuff. Greg, Jason Staples thought Caleb Hood had the most upside this season from the running back room, and he's a guy we hadn't talked back talked about since he got hurt last year. Yeah, well, if you remember back to training camp last year, he's the guy that jumped up the depth chart because some of these other guys were just kind of, I don't want to say languishing, but they just weren't making the move that, that North Carolina needed them to make. Uh, so you had Ty Chandler, and they was like, all right, who's going to be the next guy? And it was Caleb in, in camp. And then, of course, he – he got the injury. He's got such a unique skill set just because he's he's a big kid. He can lay the lay the hammer. Um, he's got good footwork, so it's not like a big lumbering fullback or anything. He's just a big kid that can lay a pop, and that's different than most of these kids. And uh, I know with with Hampton coming in, that changes things a little bit. Um, but I think he's a he's a unique option. I'm not so sure that I would say this is a uber talented room. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, with the freshmen, for sure they have talent, but they're raw. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, British Brooks, uh, he had a couple good games there late in state in South Carolina. Uh, but you know, he's he's been a special teams guy his entire career. So yeah. 
Yeah, I wonder he, how much, like, how much will he, how effective will he really be? Like, I mean, I, he, he's he's good against State, but like, why hasn't he played more if he's going to be your starter? Right. You, you know, I didn't mean to I cut agree. you off, Greg. I mean, that's. No, I, I agree with you. Yeah, that's. No, I mean, my point last night and and all all season, and, and Brooks is a great story. Um, you know, and, and he he was a hell of a back against NC State, but he was fresh. Mm-hmm. Everybody else had been beat up for for 12 games or 11 games. And that makes a difference. And they still didn't use him enough against South Carolina. I think Brooks gets the, the chance, but I agree with you guys. One of these freshmen and somebody in the chat said, I, Tommy, you've probably seen Hampton more than anybody. How good he is. Well, I, I said it last night and I've said to the cows come home. He was unfair in college, or excuse me, in high school. It was not fair with the talent they played against. And he's been that way since he was a kid in middle school. So, how that translates, I believe I've heard he's already one of the strongest kids on the team um, as a freshman. And so he's going to get an opportunity. If he stays healthy and he stays committed and dedicated to it, I think he can be really good. But like you said, Greg, it's not overly talented or elite right now. Can it be? Sure. Um, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, you don't have an elite running back room when your starter is a guy that's played Two and a, a game and a half. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, you got to make it happen. I, I wonder if Petaway is going to be that the compliment to to British Brooks. Um, I mean, I've heard good things about Elijah Green, but Petaway was special, I think. And he was obviously an early enrollee. All right, you want me to do the JTS read, Tommy? Yeah, man, you do All it. All right, coming in here, hot Johnny T-shirt, Johnny T-shirt dot com, sponsor of Inside Carolina Podcast, been with us for years now. It's uh, it's football season boys and girls and everybody else uh get your t-shirts your jerseys your sweatshirts johnny t-shirt and johnny t-shirt.com and if you are an inside carolina subscriber make sure to go on the premium message boards and get your 10 percent off discount code right on franklin street online at johnny t-shirt.com great customer service local alumni um, we all want to support that stuff and the 10 percent off code is just a special bonus Get your jerseys ready. Get your tailgating stuff ready. They have everything. Anything you need for the tailgate, for the home, for the office. Of course, for your friends and family. Johnny T-shirt. JohnnyT-shirt.com. Tommy. Let national guys pay the bills on the audio version. We'll be right back. It's on the beat live. Ross Martin, Greg Barnes, John Bowman. I'm Tommy Ashley. 940 on the East Coast. Stay with us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, boys, we're back on the beat live special edition. Ross Martin edition has joined us, brought some liveliness and some great points in, in this first segment. And, and you. to your credit, I, I, I enjoyed the 
the the app state discussion because I'm not going up there um, unless somebody else drives. So if somebody wants to drive me, I'll go to that game. But uh, let, let's talk a little bit about um, the offensive line briefly. Jason Staples is working on the previews, and we'll talk more about them as camp opens. But uh, Corey Gaynor comes in, Greg Barnes, and Ross come in after this. Brian Anderson was there. Kieran Johnson has left the program. I mean, is the center position going to be a strength this year? Because it was certainly not last year with the unhealthiness of Anderson at times and some struggles um, elsewhere. And is Anderson good enough, like somebody asked, is Anderson good enough to play another position um, if he's not at center? Uh, I mean, that's a that's a talented guy sitting on the bench if he doesn't. It, it's a good question, but I would say that given what transpired at the center position last year with – you know, Brian Anderson was hurt in the preseason and uh, probably could have had surgery during the season, but he, he didn't want to do that. He wanted to stay and, and play as much as he could, despite not being really effective. He wanted to make sure he was there to help his teammates. And then Kieran Johnson, he was hurt all year too. Um, and while Kieran's a guy that, that could play center and guard, you know, now he's decided to, to step away from football. Um, I, I expect Anderson and Gaynor, to play and you know, rotate to some extent at center. And I think both those guys remain at center. Um, you know, coming into training camp, both of them had only practiced at center and in, in spring ball. And I think that will stay the stay through training camp and into the season. Um, and I think there's enough bodies, you know, a lot of inexperienced guys, but there's enough bodies at both guard and tackle uh, that they'll, you know, Coach Bicknell will be able to do that. That was a good point about, Curion. That was actually something that I wanted to, to highlight. Because I think that's actually a really good sign for the offensive line this season. I assume, I'm not sure, but I assume that was a conversation that the coaching staff had with Curion, understanding here's what the playing time might be, here's what our needs are along the offensive line. And for them to say to a veteran offensive lineman who played, I believe, 648 snaps last year, which is a, a good number of snaps, for them to say, hey, you know, we're comfortable with what we have. Maybe this isn't the exact fit for you this season. I think that shows some confidence in the offensive line and some of the, the pieces that they have coming back. Um, so I think that's a, a little tidbit that shows maybe some of the transfers are looking better than expected. And maybe some of the younger players, some of those talented offensive linemen that UNC has recruited are also looking a little bit better. Johnny B, good point. I, what do you think? I think Anderson and Gaynor could could play a little bit i think it helps to have a two players the offensive i mean look it's a physically demanding position you know you want continuity in the snapping but i could see anderson coming in the third quarter and, and taking some reps away and bringing gainer back I, I think it's a good thing i think both are capable but look if gainer's the better guy and he's the more experienced guy you know we've heard that he's a really strong leader if he's the best player and he doesn't need that that's fine just run with him but um I think having two centers that can come in and both play is very important. And I think Anderson is such a great teammate that that'll be okay with him if he is taking a little bit of second fiddle. But, you know, I think it's important. Um, yeah, and well, and, and Big Nels has said, and granted, every offensive line coach has said this, dating back to the Sam Pittman days and, and prior. You want to be able to play 10 guys if you can. Mm -hmm. Big Nell said the most he's ever been able to really play is eight. Um, you know, Carolina, I guess, was probably at seven last year. But McNeil's point was, if you look at defensive lines, the really good ones, 
they're rotating not just ones and twos, but sometimes one, twos, and threes. So when you get into the fourth quarter and you're Clemson and you got, what was his name, Tyler Davis that we used to talk about a lot, Tommy? <sighs> when he's only played 25 snaps and my center has played 68 snaps, yeah, who's got yep. the advantage? Um, and so I, I mean, so I really think that you can you – know, the intent would be to rotate, especially at the center position – but rotate as many guys as you can. Um, you know, they really like Rice at tackle. They like Spencer Rowland, the transfer at tackle. Uh, William Barnes is there. Austin Richards. So you've got bodies there on the edge that they think can be pretty good. Uh, do you trust them, though? And that was the question last year. You know, did Stacey Searles really trust the offensive line beyond his starting five? And the same goes on the other side of the ball. We heard all about the defense having good talent. Jay Bateman didn't really want to rotate too much. So when you've got the talent, you got to be willing to play them. You got to be willing to give them a chance to see if you can actually formulate a legitimate two deep. This is the time of the year when we start interviewing these players and coaches. They rave about how deep they are. They rave about, oh, we can go, yeah, we got we got a good T deep, two deep. And then all we've seen is they play the same five, they play the same four or five on defense. That's the hype. We, you buy into that hype. And because in pre, this is important, this is inside baseball for covering a team. No one talks bad about the team during the preseason training camp. Like, you don't have players bashing teammates. You don't have coaches saying, oh, yeah, we're going to suck at center. You, It's all positive. So that's what we have to write on. So you have to either check with sources or – you know, not play up as much. I think we, I, mean, I think last year we bought into that hype a little more than we should have. And I think this year as a, as a website, we're taking a little bit more of a um, cautioned role, but we've always heard, yeah, we're super deep on defensive line. We, we're going eight deep. And yeah, you only see like, you know, five or six offensive linemen, but um, you know, I think Don't losing, Losing three starters on the on offensive line is tough, Tommy. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. No, I didn't mean to cut you, but the, you know, coach can talk about how how deep they are, but if they're only playing five or six, that's what they really think. Yeah. Exactly. And to your point, and uh, you know, on the basketball side, Hubert Davis said that as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But you know, I, I think offensive line can still be better, right, Greg? Even though to Ross's point, you lost three NFL guys. Um, but they were a train wreck last year at times. Uh, and if you'd have told anybody that that offensive line right there, look at this tape, there's there's three offensive guys that are going to get drafted in the NFL. Nobody would have believed that just based on the tape they put up last year, at least in my opinion. So how much does Bicknell matter for this group? I think his, his mindset is completely different than what Stacey Searles brought to the table. Um, and I – in theory, that should work because what, what did Max say last year, you know, this time? He was talking about, look, we were not strong enough running the ball when we want to run the ball. You know, the thing about the Larry Fedora and Phil Longo offense is you take what the defense gives you. So if the defense stacks the box, you're going to throw. Well, that's fine and dandy, but there comes time in games where it's third and one and there's three minutes left you got to get that one yard and you don't want to have to be throwing some slant route or some out 10 yard out to pick up a yard. You want to be able to hand the ball off and let your offensive line push the defensive line for two yards and make it an easy first down. 
That's what all the best teams have always done in this sport. And Mac was really upset that that was not happening. Um, and part of that's how Stacy kind of coaches his offensive line. But what Big Nell said, and this is these are things to kind of watch for, two things. One, he wants his offensive line to be aggressive. So instead of waiting for the defensive line to establish contact and to initiate contact, once the ball snapped, he wants his offensive lineman to, to hit first, not just to sit back. And what that's going to do is that helps establish a, a physical presence at the point of attack for your run game, but it also allows you to create a pocket. He does not want centers being knocked back into the quarterback's lap. He does not want tackles being pinched in by defensive ends. He wants tackles to establish width. He wants the center to establish the establish the depth of the pocket. And that gives the quarterback an idea of, okay, well, I know where my center's supposed to be. I know where my tackles are. Therefore, I know what I'm supposed to have here in front of me as a pocket. And that should provide comfort. That's a little bit different than what Stacy wanted to do, who was more of kind of a, uh, a true zone blocking scheme, offensive line coach. Um, so as I said, in theory, that should help. That should help what Mac wants to do and and being more physical and running the ball. We'll have to see exactly how it plays out. And, and Greg, what I thought that... was issue with what I thought was issue with that, Greg, is that's also in pass protection, like you're saying, like going out and hitting someone in pass protection instead of dropping back, which normally your your left and right tackles take steps back to block. So it was kind of a different philosophy. So it's definitely different uh, in how Bicknell coaches things, like Greg said. John, sorry. And Greg, that reminds me of, of one of my defining moments of, of the UNC football season last year. It was against Wofford. I forget the exact scenario, but it was goal line, and UNC's offensive line couldn't push it in against Wofford's defensive line. Yeah. That's a good segue into one of the things that I'm looking for in Saturday's practice. UNC has an open practice this Saturday. I'm going to be looking for UNC offensive line's toughness to see if that's changed under this new regime. Uh, for the three of you at UNC's open practice on Saturday, what are you looking out for or what should fans keep an eye out for if they're able to attend that practice? Yeah, um, They'll be in shorts and helmets, right? Uh, open practice, but I'm looking at at body types to see what kind of shape they're in coming in because Staples was on point last year. They were a little heavy at times, a little sluggish at times. I'm looking to see how those bodies have changed over the summer. Ross, what do you think? You're talking just offensive line, John? Anything. Yeah. Anything I mean, you're looking for. I mean, I'm interested to see the, the depth chart for the offensive line because, I mean, this kind of segues nicely, but, you know, I think we know Asim, Asim Richards is starting at left tackle. We don't know right tackle. It could be a combination of the, the transfer, Spencer Holland, who we haven't seen yet. So we have no idea what this guy looks like. Spencer Holland from Harvard. Diego Pounds could be at right tackle. Um, you know, William Barnes could get some time there too. And, Zach of course, Rice. Zach Rice. And Zach Rice is going to be the big question mark. So how does he look now with, what, six, seven months at, at UNC? And then I think Ed Montillas is going to be a starting guard. And who's the other guard? Is it going to be Caden Baker? Who's playing more at guard now, not not tackle? Is it going to be Adorno? Um, and of course, at, at center, we think it's going to be Gainer or, or Anderson. So I kind of I'm interested to see because that's there's three open spots there. Um, if we kind of have the left tackle and center positions locked in, I saw that you guys have seen Zach Rice in person. I haven't seen him in person other than at a basketball game. And the fact that that guy is 18 years old um, was is pretty ridiculous. So I, I'll be surprised if he doesn't get some run. 
What yeah. else on, on on the offensive line, Greg? Well, the 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 story on Rice is that he's this he's a dog, right? He's he's very aggressive. Um, and if that's where, what you want your mindset to be for the entire unit, I don't think it's a bad thing for a young kid to come in and, and bite early. Um, I think that that could really help this team and kind of uh, you know, if you got a young guy coming in showing that he can play, you maybe that wakes up some of the older guys and uh, and changes changes the culture a little bit in that in that position group room. Um, I didn't answer John's question. You know, Buck Sanders has talked a lot over the years about how it's, it's the further away you get from the ball, the easier it is to pop early. Um, so while these guys are in shorts, you're going to be able to see guys that stand out. I and mean, we saw that with Josh Downs. Uh, I mean, we've seen that with Javante Williams, even you, you know, when guys have freakish athletic skills. And so Andre green, what does he look like? Or Mario Hampton, Padaway. Some of these young guys, I keep going back to the young guys, right? Uh, who, who's going to stand out? J.J. Jones coming back now that he's got a year under his belt. How does he look? Um, and so those, those are the people I'm, I'm looking out for because you don't need to see them in pads to see what kind of athleticism and those kind of things that they have. You, you can see that you know, if they're in a suit and tie. Flip it. Defensive line. Miles Murphy got on us after the spring game. Um, that we didn't include him in the in the sack discussion last year. Gregory Hall infamously had Des Evans leading the team. Well, that is one <laughs> prediction I got right, friends. Uh, but but what are we looking at on the defensive line for for Tim Cross? I mean, it's not a talent issue this year. It's, it, it's got to perform. Ross uh, Tim Cross is. I think he's a little bit on on the mark here. Or, or you know, maybe on the hot seat a little bit for his guys to actually perform. Yeah, I mean, so first of all, it's going to be a little bit different. I'm sure you've talked about this before, but you know, they're they're going back to a, a four, you know, a four three alignment. So you have that jack position and a true defensive end, which Des Evans moves to defensive end. So you're going to have a little bit different look, but um, you know, you got to like at kind of the top what they have with Raymond Vahasic stepping in as a fifth year, you know, whatever grad or fifth year senior. This would be his third year starting, um, and you know he he's he's talented. We've seen him flash, and he's just you need that consistent force. That's what he's going to provide. And of course, Miles Murphy has kind of become kind of the preseason star for UNC, and so I think he's going to have a special year. And it could be kind of a first team, second team ACC type guy. But then behind him, there's there's some you know Max talks about Kedrick Dingley Jones a lot, and then Kevin Hester is a big KJ Binkley. Yeah, Mac has not pronounced his name right since <laughs> Ever. he's been here. And like I keep checking it, I'm like, am I reading this wrong? I go to the Go Heels. Does Go Heels have it wrong? It's, it's unbelievable. Um, but Kevin Hester, I you know they're gonna miss tomorrow on Fox, uh, which I think he could, could, could fa- he would factor in. But um, and then of course, um, with a ramble here, Travis Shaw. I mean, all eyes on Travis Shaw. Talk about a guy I'm looking forward to seeing on Saturday is Travis Shaw and what he looks like moving. We saw him in April. Or in March and April, spring practice, huffing and puffing that first day, Greg. Um, I mean, you see, I'm sure he's lost 20, 30 pounds this summer. So uh, I think he, if he can be a factor, that adds just one more piece of depth. Then the Des Evans and the defensive ends, I think they're going to be good there with with the Jack, with Noah Taylor. So there's a lot of names, a lot of bodies. You know, it's about kind of put up or, or, or shut up at this point with that team because they have the bodies, they have experience, they have the talent. It's kind of time to form now. 
Yeah, and I think Ross mentions a good point there at the, the start with Vohasic and Murphy. Um, I'm going to date myself here a little bit, but Tommy, Tommy will understand. But Kendall High, uh, when he came in back in 2002, uh, there's a I won't say there's a lot of hype around him, uh, but he was a good player out of Salisbury. Uh, but he was like 250 pounds as a as a freshman at defensive tackle. Well, he had to play because they didn't have anybody else to play. And Ryan Sims had already gone to the league, and there was really nobody left in the cupboard for John Bunning. And so you've got a 250-pound true freshman, and I think he started, I mean, he probably started 10 games that year, eight games. <laughs> got destroyed. Got destroyed. <laughs> I mean, that's why that was one of the worst defenses we've ever seen. Um, and even though he had plenty of talent, he was not in anywhere close to a position to play that many snaps as a true freshman. And so because you have guys like Murphy and Vahasek who have been there, you know you can count on them. Even though Travis Shaw may be the next Dexter Lawrence, he doesn't have to be from day one. And you can work him in and make sure that he experiences success, scheduled success, so that his confidence builds. And maybe by midseason, you can unleash him fully. Um, By having some of these veterans, I mean, we saw it with Des Evans, right? I mean, it took him a full year to finally kind of get it. And even last year, it wasn't where we thought he would be. Now, as a third-year guy, you know, maybe he's ready to kind of settle in at a true defensive end position and can kind of move forward. Um, So I think we talk about the talent a lot. I think the veteran experience and leadership is just as critical because you're allowing the younger guys to come along at their own speed. Um, And I think that's that's a big benefit for Gene Chizik. It's been mentioned a couple times in press conferences and stuff. How silly was it that Des Evans was dropping into – pass coverage guarding wheel routes and stuff it's just comical it made him do that he should have been a defensive end all along um it's just unbelievable trying to get him in, in coverage as an outside linebacker i think, so. I think the the epic one though has got to be clyde pender you know dropping into in, into pass coverage but i agree with you just let the guys go see ball hit ball uh, yeah, it and, sounds more like that be how, how many of these guys are going to play same same question we had on the offensive line. Coaches talk about they want 10 guys that can play. They rarely play more than that. How many realistically, Ross, do we see get significant snaps? I think I they think- have eight, eight players, eight deep. They'll have they'll have uh, Miles Murphy, Rain Vahasic behind them. They'll have um, K.J. Hester and, and Travis Shaw. And you'll have Kamen Rucker and Des Evans. And you'll have uh, Noah Taylor and, and like a Chris Collins, I think, is yeah, would be the other guy there. So I think that's a – Chris Collins, I mean, he's been here four or five years almost. So you got a lot of experience in time there. I think they, they could they could go eight eight deep effectively. You know, maybe split it two thirds for the starters and one third for the backups because they do roll in. I mean, that's pretty common, especially on, on positional and situational um, downs for for the defensive line. Greg, yeah, and they, Ross didn't even mention uh, Bingley Jones and Jaleel Taylor there and Keyshawn yeah. Silver. So, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm so not sure how much they play. Those guys play though, honestly, right. But, I mean, Bingley Jones has, has oh. been banged up, and he's finally healthy. Jawari so, Ritzy. Yeah. I mean, there are a ton of ton of yeah, options. Yeah. Jawari Ritzy um, will be – he'll be a big-time player. So, was Carolina going to 8-3 defense, 8-1-2 defense? <laughs> That's right. No, but Jawari Ritzy, I, I don't know why I would mention him, but he's going to be a big-time impact player. I think he can play a little end and a little three technique. I mean, he was a – when he was a recruit, Don and I always talk about how freak of a freak athlete he was as a recruit. 
and he'll be this will be year two for him right yeah so tons of talent and with tons of talent comes no excuses um for the the front guys to play um, can, can we can we go ahead and make that statement tommy that we can get away from oh well they're just inexperienced even though they're very talented that was the one conversation last year that kind of drove me nuts is like yeah they're talented but they're like you know freshmen to sophomores they need to be like seniors before they're really good we need shirts tommy we need tommy ashley brandon t-shirts to say tons of talent means no excuses <laughs> i am all inside for it. inside carolina <laughs> I'm all for it, but if you're listening, we need them in extra large and double extra large and a uh, medium for Jason Staples, linebacker. Uh, Ross, you mentioned him straight out of the gate. Rara Dilworth may not play much or may not start, um, and he's uber talented. Um, Greg, I'll start with you this time on the linebacker side of it. Cedric Gray, Power Eccles. You would think they're probably penciled in as the starters here, uh, but again, there's talent there. Um, and there, there's options where Bateman didn't use any options. It was it was it was uh, Gimmel and whoever else. I guess Cedric Gary when he was out there and whatever. So what's going to happen this year with Chiswick and those linebackers? Are we going to see more guys, or is it going to be ride with two and see what happens? I, I think just from a little bit that I've heard, to your point, Gray and, and Eccles are the guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, powers really come on. Um, and I, I think it was Mac that mentioned he they needed guys like Deuce and Sebastian Cheeks and, and Ryrod to really come on and kind of you know, solidify that too deep. Uh, I believe it was Chiswick who made mention of Ryrod's speed. Um, and I you know, I, I just read about and hear about the star position. And I know they got options there. I just feel like you can really use Ra-Ra in some unique packages. Um, like the Simmons kid at Clemson a couple years ago. I mean, basically, he's a he's a safety in a linebacker's body. Um, if you've got two starters that you really like in Gray and Power Eccles, use somebody that has freakish athleticism like Ra-Ra. Uh, it remains to be seen if that'll happen, but I think that would be kind of a, a wasted opportunity. Um, always remember back when, when Butch came in, and he was like, "What are we? What are we doing with Brandon Tate? We're just letting him return kicks. That's all. Like we should be letting him touch the ball almost every play. Like the fact that this team has not been doing that is a crime. Um, and so I think we're getting to the point. You know, Ross is talking about Red Sea. He's a freakish athlete. Rai Rai is too. Um, so I, I think some of these guys, you have to understand, they may not be every down players quite yet, but use them to your advantage and get unique with it without being too cutesy about it. And Greg, to your point, Rai Rai, he played 33 snaps last year, according to Pro Football Focus. Power Eccles only played 155. So there's a ton of opportunity uh, Jeremiah Gamble ended up playing 768 snaps. Just for context, you can see they're going to get a lot more opportunity this year and hopefully combine that opportunity with in, in, improved fit with the scheme. And didn't, power, didn't Power get most of his snaps because was it Gimmel that got tossed? Yeah, in the yeah. Wake Forest game. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we haven't talked about Cedric Gray. I mean, I think you're returning one of the best linebackers in the in the coastal, at least, you know, he led UNC in tackles and he made some big time plays. 
So in Cedric Gray, man, he is mature. He's a leader. Uh, he looks the part. He's kind of a little bit longer, I think, than Power Eccles. And he played tons last year, kind of winning that job kind of out of nowhere from Eugene Asante, who, like, didn't play at all after the first – after, like, the Virginia Tech game, I think, when he was whiffed on a couple tackles. Um, so, yeah, you got – I think they love Power Eccles, and, and they really like Cedric Gray as well. And Cedric Gray's a proven commodity. You only have five scholarship linebackers. It's because you only have – two spots now it's not like the you're not playing three linebackers across the board because they're playing those outside linebacker spots but you have it's only two middle linebackers and then that that um star or um what is that the slot slot corner type nickel, position. yeah right yeah n- nickel corner yeah yeah that's the your charlotte brown my my favorite guy on nine carolina was xavier db for virginia tech I believe number eleven, Cam Chancellor too. Ever yeah. a Cam Chancellor type guy, and with Conley out, um, a lot yeah. of people have said put put Ra Ra out there. I mean, you got to get Ra Ra on the field. I mean, you can't leave a guy that can fly like that. Um, and Power Eccles, um, to to the Zach Rice being a dog point, Power Eccles is that guy on defense. And and quite frankly, with the targeting rules in college football, uh, you might need to have somebody. Behind Eccles, ready to play. Do we? Do we go, ahead, go ahead. No, that's go ahead. There's no. That's no. I mean, that's just the way he plays. And uh, and Carolina needs more of that. Go ahead, Ross. Do we know about Conley's availability, Greg? I mean, I haven't, we haven't asked about the, it. The last uh, is that I think the hope is maybe by the end of September that he he'd be fully ready okay. to go. I expect to see him this week, uh, but I, I assume he's going to be completely limited through training camp. As they try to get him, bring him back slowly. And yeah. quick shout out, Gregory Hall. One of his last Inside Carolina articles was about JQ Conley. If anybody in the in the stream hasn't read that article yet, go read it. Talks about his journey, working back through the injury. It was a really great art article by uh, our old friend Gregory. Yeah, much deeper than the football discussion too. Emotional it is worth. Yeah, mental. and you got the the, the mental side mental health of, of the game. Pretty cool stuff from Gregory. Um, talking about the defensive backs, and again, this is on the beat live. We're pushing. Uh, we're after ten o'clock. We have kept Ross Martin on board for over an hour. I know, it's um, my bedtime. We're, we're moving back in, in the uh, in, on the defensive side of the ball. We mentioned Conley, but Greg. Uh, no, I'll start with Ross. This time, Tony Grimes got to be better this year. I didn't think he was very good at times last year. I, I know that he's very talented, but I don't think it showed like it probably should last year function of a lot of things communication or lack thereof yeah um is he the leader of this of this defensive backfield when conley's still on the shelf yeah i mean i think you got a lot of guys that can be leaders but i think you're right man this is like the it's like the money year for grimes right i mean he this he thought he would go pro after this year right that was why you enroll early that's why you skip your senior year in high school you enroll early you play some as a freshman you start as a sophomore you just break out as a junior. So this is kind of the year where he is is aiming for the NFL draft, and physically it's all there just to put it together. And I think Charlton Warren coming in with Gene Chizik is going to fix a lot of the communication issues, and that's going to be a big talking point all preseason about the miscommunication pre-snap with the defensive backs, safeties, linebackers, and all that stuff. And so hopefully that gets all fixed and they can just go out and play. But you got to like the, the defensive backs. Um um, the cornerbacks, you got Grimes, you got uh, Storm Duck, who I think would be playing some slot, I've heard. And then you got the transfer legend, 
um, from Ohio State. His last name uh, is it Cavalos. Ka- yeah, Cavalos. You, uh, <laughs> you and Don were trip on that podcast yeah, talking about yeah. him. But yeah. um, I gotta get that name right. But legend. I mean, he's coming from Ohio State and he came here to play. And he came to Carolina to play. So you got him. And you got um, uh, Ladeson. Um, Hollins as well. It's a lot of game guys. This is 85 scholarship players, so give me a break if you're messing <laughs> names here. So, um, so you, I think you like the depth at corner and then safety. Losing Conley sucks, but um, you know, Jeer Biggers has played a lot. Cam Kelly has gotten a little bit better and better. Um, Don Chapman's played a lot too, and a lot of these guys have played a little corner as well. So, I think they got plenty of bodies back there just figuring it out. And I think, man, Warren, I, I love Warren. You know, he was really good to me when I was. Uh, back in 15 and 16, and I think he is just a, a good coach, a good recruiter. So I think he'll get it figured out uh, on that side, any issues with coaching or, or scheme stuff. We we talked about Big Nail's impact. We've talked about Chizik's impact. Greg, does Charlton One's impact, is that as big as any of those two guys? Uh, the newness factor, well, the, the old newness factor since he's back? I think so. And, and I think it speaks volumes that Gene Chizik, when, when Mac reached out, was like, yeah, I'm, I'm coming, but I want to bring Charlton with me. Uh, and it kind of speaks to the relationship they've had over the years. Uh, but Charlton knows what he's doing. He's, he's worked with some big, big-time programs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he's really going to be able to assist Dre Bly. Uh, I think there's a lot of friction kind of in uh, Dre Bly and um, Bateman in terms of how they were communicating, how they wanted guys to do certain things, and some frustration there, I think, late in the season. So I think you Warren kind of comes in and, and provides perspective to Blyce. He's you know, Dre's in that unique situation, right? Where he was a incredible, one of the best cornerbacks we've ever seen at both college and NFL level. And now he's trying to, to coach kids to play up to their potential. And that's, that's easier said than done. Um, and so he, as he's, as he's getting better as a position coach, Warren's going to provide him some sound guidance. And then doing that, it's going to help tie into Ross's point, the communication aspect of it, where the corners and the and the safeties and the the nickelback, the star, can all communicate. And I uh, just throw another name in there: DeAndre Boykins is somebody they really yeah. like. A, That's a, a guy. A nickel, right? A, a nickel, right? That they think he's he's uh, a kid that, while he's not the biggest, um, he can play corner, but he can also lay a hit. hit. And uh, so that they have a, a ton of options. Again, the talent is not a problem. It's the coaches putting the pieces together to function as a team, as a top 25 team. That's what this season's about because I've said it numerous times. 2023 is going to be a potential breakout year for this program in terms of challenging for the ACC title. And if you're going to make a top 10 push, it's going to occur then. We know the talent is in place and it certainly will be by next year. Can the coaching staff coach these guys up to play to that talent? That's what this year is all about. That's why you know, Mac Brown made some of the moves that he made. Uh, so that that's going to be something fun to watch this year. All right, guys, what's left? We're going to check out special teams on Saturday, <laughs> Ross. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't talk about that right now. <laughs> um, well, I'll say one thing about defense. Um, so Chiswick will be up in the booth. I mean, just like Bill breaks down here, Chiswick will be up in the booth. I mean, it's a little bit changed. Bateman spent most of his career at UNC on the field level. Chiswick, I assume, will be in the booth because Warren is his right-hand man. He is a true co-defensive coordinator, and Warren is helping create this this defense, and he'll be like the defensive coordinator on the ground. I imagine that's how he'll do it. But Chiswick will be up in the booth um, 
So I think that's a, a, an element to the situation as well. I don't think Chizik's ever been on the field as a coordinator. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of names. I mean, we, Obi Egbuna is another name that, you know, is, he's in his junior year. There's a lot of bodies. Uh, the, the, the sophomore Marcus, I forget his uh, last name. So there's a lot of a lot of names there at safety and cornerback for defensive back. So like I said, the, the, the names and talent are there. The experience is there. It's just a matter of putting it all together. So what's the saying? We're going to trademark tons of talent. Means no excuses. Yeah, that's right. 2022. That can be the title of the show, Tommy. Uh, yeah, it could be. Yeah, it might be. I'm going to get it on the back of a shirt and you're going to come I, to the bowls. I, think I, I, I think I still have a t shirt from 2010 that says no excuses, right? <laughs> really? I think I have uh, real Tar Hill folks, um, whatever hey, it says, 2021 right. or something yeah. like that, or, 20, or 2001. Sorry. It, real. Real Carolina fans think 2020, 20, whatever. You know what the heck I'm talking about. Greg Barnes, close close the show with your thoughts um, here. I, I mean, Carolina opens Friday. I think last year has created a ton of, of skepticism. And, and I think Mac Brown's acknowledged that. And I think, quite frankly, Mac Brown's um, caused some of that in the preseason last year, if, if I'm being honest, what I remember hearing, but where is this team going into preseason camp? I mean, is it, is it a legitimate chance to be much better than people say um, at, at this point, a lot of work to be done, but serious question, is it legitimately an option for this team to be really good? I think, I think the option is on the table. Um, you know, we go back to what we talked about to begin the show. You know, over under is about seven and a half. So does eight and four count as a significant improvement, even though this team last year should have, have at least won eight games? I think that's where you kind of get into the semantics of it. You can this team win 10 games? Is that what we're talking about? Well, I mean, a lot's going to have to fall into place for that to happen. Um, while there are some easy games on the schedule, there are some tough ones as well. Notre Dame's a tough game, Miami. Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, NC State. Those are five really tough games where Carolina could be a lot better than they were a year ago and still lose. And if the cards fell wrong, I mean, they could be seven and five and win the games really they were supposed to win. So um, we'll have to wait and see. Coming into the season, I think Mac Brown and his staff have handled the offseason impeccably well. Uh, they've really focused on what happened last year, why it happened. I've sought to correct that. I've really kind of beaten the, the idea of it's it's the next step in the process. It's not about the outside noise. And I think that's all very important. Um, Ross made a great point that this time of year, every single team is undefeated. Every single player, every single position group is really good. These guys really stepped up. They made strides in the offseason. We can only report what we hear. And so as you go through training camp, it's not us blowing smoke. It's us just sharing what we've heard from coaches and players. And so we, we try to make sure we, we don't overdo it, but we're just relaying the information we have. How does Mac handle that? You know, is there an emphasis by the coaching staff to kind of pump the guys up, or are they still kind of pumping the brakes? I think that will tell us a lot. You know, if they're pumping the brakes, maybe the guys are starting to get a little bit too excited. Maybe they're not paying attention to the, the P's and Q's and those kind of things. So, you can kind of read behind the, the scene a little bit um, to figure out what's going on. But how Mac and his staff kind of handle the next four weeks, 
will really kind of tell us what this, this team is as they head into that Florida Florida A&M game. And I do think it's interesting. We're not going to know what this team looks like until Notre Dame. Yeah, they could be 3-0. That doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. I know App State was picked to win their division in Sunbelt. Yay, go, go Mountaineers. Um, <laughs> I think that'll be a game where Carolina doesn't have to play their A game to win, but they're going to have to show up. Uh, but besides that, they should be 3-0. And we won't know to that Notre Dame game, the end of September, what kind of team this really is. I agree 100%. Ross, are we going to end it with that? That yeah, pretty much good. said it all, right? Yeah, that's good. I got nothing else to add. Good stuff. I've been your host, Tommy Ashley, John Bowman, making it all happen. Uh, we, I'm going to sit back and just in, enjoy my uh, Inside Carolina Tumblr. <laughs> Next time, John, you're leading the way. Greg Barnes, always excellent. Ross Martin. Came on and joined us, gave an hour and 15 minutes of his time on a Tuesday yeah. night. I am impressed. Ross, is it, really, is it really past your bedtime, or are you sleeping in now that you don't have to do these early morning workouts? Yeah. I've been showing up early morning. i got to keep my uh, workouts going, so I show up to the workout, but I just walk because I have to get my day started. Otherwise, you know, I can't sleep in. i got to start producing content for the people. So, well, but walking, I mean, I, walking when you get to me my age, walking will be a pleasure. So, yeah. uh, enjoy eat, all that fancy I stuff. Eat, I eat too much, I gotta keep somehow burning calories. All right, oh, you, you want to eat something? Go to Jimmy's in Baltimore. Right. I actually went and it is ridiculous. Gained 10 pounds. Shout out Jimmy's Seafood. All right, boys, it's been fun. Everybody listening, uh, check out Ross Martin with the scoop with Don Callahan a little bit later in the week. Taylor Vipolis has got a a player's lounge later in the week. And next week we'll be back with On The Beat Live. It's been real. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.